friends, this Easter tide, we've been looking at the story of the new church, how our Christian church was built up. And today, our passage comes to us from the book of Romans, the first chapter, verses 8 through 17. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the churches in Rome. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world. For God, whom I serve with my spirit by announcing the gospel of his son, God is my witness that without ceasing, I remember you always in my prayers, asking that by God's will, I may somehow at last succeed in coming to you. For I am longing to see you, so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather, so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that I have often intended to come to you, but have thus far been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as I have among the rest of the Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Hence my eagerness to proclaim the gospel to you who are also in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, there is no such thing as preaching unless your Holy Spirit is in every word that is spoken. It is my prayer that you would take the words of this sermon and you would make them only of you and that you would take the meditations of our hearts and our minds and that we would hear what you have to say to us this day. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. It was common in antiquity that if you were writing a letter to someone, you would spend a good part of the first part of that letter explaining what you were going to say. And so in these nine verses, 8 through 17 in the first chapter, we see at a very quick glimpse what Paul wants to share in the book of Romans in this letter that he is writing. Now, in the pastor's Bible study Sunday school class, we've been studying the book of Romans. And I'll be the first to tell you it's pretty tedious. And it's pretty tedious because in nine verses, Paul succinctly says what he wants to say, but he's going to go on for 16 chapters saying it over and over again. He is not the first preacher who has a problem with brevity, nor will he be the last. And so he begins this letter by acknowledging that Paul has not been to Rome. He's been all over Asia Minor, spreading the good news, telling people the gospel, founding churches, but he has not gotten to Rome yet. And so he is writing this letter as a way to make an introduction, but he's also doing it because he wants them to be encouraged. 
Paul says, oh, how I wish I were there with you so that I could strengthen you in some way or more importantly, he says, so we, that we could be mutually encouraged in one another. If you are ever wondering what the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ is, you could do a lot worse than to realize that we are a community of mutual encouragement. We are a community where our interaction with each other should build up our faith, where we can share our burdens with one another, but we can also be reminded of God's love and goodness. We are encouraged and built up for the work of living. So Paul says, I'm not there with you, but I wish I were. And if we were, we would mutually encourage one another. But then he reminds them of what his calling is. And if you remember, Paul has had a very specific calling. God has called Paul to preach to the Gentiles. To the people who don't know even the God of Israel. To all of those who may have been worshiping the Roman pantheon of God's to all those who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's to whom Paul has been sent. And he says, you know, I owe, I owe a debt. I owe a debt, he says, to Greeks and barbarians, to the wise and foolish. All he means is that I owe them the gospel. There is something so good about the gospel of Jesus Christ that it is weighing on me until I can share it with others. And then he gives what is really the whole thesis for the book of Romans when he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for everyone who has faith. For the Jew first, yes, but also for the Gentile. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. Now, salvation is one of those church words, right? It's a theological term. And I will tell you that when I was growing up, salvation meant to be saved. And what I understood that to mean in my adolescent mind was it was fire insurance. You know what I mean? fire insurance to be saved meant that you would be saved from hell and you would be guaranteed entrance into heaven that's what I understood salvation and being saved to be and I want to be very clear the church of Jesus Christ believes that we will be welcomed into new life don't know what it looks like but we have the promise that Jesus Christ was welcomed into new life and that we will be also. But salvation is much more than fire insurance. Salvation is much more than one thing. And to really understand, I think, what Paul means, why he has this burden to share it with people, is if you look at that root word, salvation, it comes from a Greek root that gives us also the word salve, S-A-L-V-E. A salve that you can put on your wounds that will heal them. A salve that will bind you up and lead you into fullness. That's the kind of salvation that Paul is talking about in addition to what happens after we die. Paul knows that it is difficult to live and that it is only through Jesus Christ that many of us experience hope and love unconditional grace it is only in knowing Jesus 
that we will be given an ethic for how to live our lives. It is through Jesus that we learn what is right and what is wrong. Paul says it is a salve for all of humanity's hurts and difficulties, this belief in Jesus Christ. And you know, when we baptize in the church, whether we are baptizing an infant or even an adult, it's only a little bit about what happens after we die. There are many people for whom they have experienced hell already. They don't need fire insurance. They've already experienced hell here on earth. Maybe it's the hell of addiction. Maybe it's the hell of broken relationships. Whatever it is, the church offers them salvation, a salve that can help them with those hurts that can lead to healing and fullness. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for everyone who has faith. And Paul wants to offer to the people in Rome, to the people in the first century, but to you and I now, he wants to offer that we are, giving, we are given something more in our salvation. We are given a closeness to God. We are given a God who works good in the world. We are given a God who brings light out of darkness and healing out of brokenness. And I don't know about you, but I've needed to hear that lately. This past week started for me with a funeral, with sitting with people who grieve someone that they love so very much. I've had more than one person in my life get a diagnosis this week that was terrible, that changes the trajectory of their life, and I grieve with them over this. I've had in prayer this week our Methodist brothers and sisters who are going through terrible division, and you and I know what that is like, to lose people that you care about, to have them be torn away there is difficulty in this world. And I thought of it again this morning when I woke up to see that there was another mass shooting in Texas, the youngest victim of which was five years old. I'm not worried about what happens after I die. I am worried very much about what happens now. And I have to believe that Jesus Christ is the salve, the balm, the salvation for all of us. That it is Jesus Christ who holds those who are grieving in the palm of his hand. That it is Jesus Christ who will bring light even out of the terrible diagnosis. That it is Jesus Christ who will walk with our Methodist brothers and sisters even through this split. And that it is Jesus Christ who was the first to grieve when those people in Texas died and who is working on all of our moral consciousness so that it doesn't happen again. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. No, Paul thinks it's the greatest hope for the world. It's the greatest hope for you and it's the greatest hope for me. It's the greatest hope for the church in Rome and it's the greatest hope for the church in Huntsville. Take hope with you this day, friends. Because in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have been given salvation. 
You have been given new life, but you have also been given a life in which God cares intimately about all of God's people now. And we believe that the ark of humanity will bend towards justice and that God's kingdom will come. So on this day, when we hear the words of Paul, may you be strengthened and may you be mutually encouraged because you have the salvation of Jesus Christ and it matters this day and all the ones that are to come. Thanks be to God and amen.